Good afternoon, and uh, thank you for joining the Indiana Minority Health Minority Health Matters podcast. Today, our guest is President and CEO of Indiana Minority Health, Mr. Carl Ellison. Hello, Carl. How are you today? Andrew, how are you? I'm good. Um, as we, you know, try to figure out um, what everyone's been through. I mean, it's it's, it's been it's been a it's been a major thing that um, everyone in the country has been affected uh, by. COVID-19 um, has shook things up. And what we found is that there's a lot of misinformation out there. And in our state, there are some, some people that are the go-to uh, super team. And I want to make sure um, that people know that uh, Indiana Minority Health, along with the CDC, along with the state of Indiana, have partnered on an initiative to make sure that it's our shot campaign is very successful. Can you tell me a little about that? Sure. Um, our IMHC grassroots vaccine network are simply a com uh, we're a collection of humble stewards, community stewards, who operate within our local communities, and it's primarily the major minority populated ones. So Gary, uh, Port Wayne, South Bend, uh, Indianapolis, and so on. Uh, and, and, and we have been there to really advise the state. We actually have a seat at the table, some have worked for for a long, long time, to be able to help add breadth and depth to what the state itself is trying to do to address not only the vaccine for everybody, but also for population of color. And, and we're there, frankly, Troy, because we need to be. Uh, the, the state um, has great intentions always and can put together great public awareness campaigns, but they're not at the grassroots level where we are. And so we've added, a, if you will, a level of quality to their thinking by working with them to identify platforms for disseminating information that will reach our target populations, uh, identifying who might be good messengers for this information, making sure we had link, uh, the information that's on the COVID's website in multiple languages, because it's not just people of color and it's not just Latinos who are at risk, but you also have Burmese, Native Americans, other populations who are affected by COVID in a, in a disparate way compared to whites who, who also need to be included in everything the state is doing. So I think of us as sort of the community glue, and, and that's what we've done uh, on a full-time basis and will continue to do, whether it's COVID or anything else that is a health disparity that, uh, uh, that causes us as a nation, as a community, as a state, not to yet achieve the American dream, which is equality of health outcome for everybody. Everybody should live the same length. Everybody should enjoy the same quality of life. So I'm imagining then that you jumped on this pretty early um, in order to, to be uh, a part and stay fluid with everything going on with the pandemic. Uh, when did you first get together and partner? It's hard for me to remember now because remember, as, as the vaccine exploded, the notion of inequity or, or the lack of equity uh, just uh, became boomerang throughout this nation in a way that, that in our 25 years of existing IMHC, we'd never heard. So everyone knows there was a disparity. And so on our end, uh, having seen probably early on, maybe as early as April or May of 2020, that minorities were suffering uh, much more from COVID than the white populations, uh, then we began to learn about it. We began to do surveys, began to put together materials. We began to organize webinars because early on the issue was uh, how do we provide information so people would feel confident in taking a vaccine when it became available? 
how could we provide information to get people to do those things that public health said we needed to do? You know, wear the mask, watch your hands, use that hand sanitizer, do the social distancing. Those things became a part of what we did. Now, in our own workplace, we decided that we would make it easier for our own team to be able to get through COVID well. So we bought duplicate equipment so that nobody on our staff has to carry equipment back and forth between home and work, whether they're in the office or not. Most of our staff have worked from home, frankly, since, since March or April of 2020. Uh, but nonetheless, we felt as a company that we would provide uh, a duplicate uh, computers, printers, desks, whatever you needed uh, to make sure that we protect our people and we made sure they could operate uh, virtually the same, whether they're at home or at work. And we found that to be very, very successful. Another thing we've done as, as an employer is we decided that we would hold a weekly call. So once a week, we have our whole field network, and that's 70 to 80 people on, on the phone for one hour every Tuesday morning, 11, 11 o'clock. And we will use, we use that time to share information and also to have guest speakers. speakers. So we've had Dr. Box, the health commissioner on. We've had uh, Dr. Uh, Weaver, the, the medical director for the health department of health. We've had uh, Dr. Sullivan from the Family Social Service Administration. We've had the head of the hospital association and others. So that our local networks, if you will, are able to interact with the leaders who are, who are leading this fight for uh, COVID in the state, but also to just be able to know and share among themselves uh, what they can do in their local in their localities uh, to address the particular barriers and problems that minority populations face as it relates to COVID. So it's been a, it, it, for us, it's been a very, very eye-opening and, and, and I think forever changing experience that makes us more connected and frankly, more committed uh, because COVID is a real killer. I mean, it is absolutely the prime, perhaps the most significant public health challenge the, the nation and particularly communities of color have faced. I mean, anytime life expects it gets worse because of COVID than it was before. And there was already a five-year gap in the difference between how long a black man will live on average versus a white man. Now you have to have those widen even further among uh, populations of color versus, versus white populations because of COVID means that this is a very, very significant killer that we have absolutely got to do everything we can to address. And so our grassroots network, we're just humble community stewards. We're working with the state, working with the private sector, working with our local health systems, working with anybody and everybody we can to make sure we muster the necessary will and resources to give populations of color a chance, a chance of, of having COVID not affect the community disproportionately as it is now. Well, that's absolute proof that the superheroes aren't just in the hospitals. You know, we've got some superheroes, it sounds like, in this network. Um, next question, uh, I want you to focus on, I know you've done some partnerships with Expo, um, and uh, you've worked with some other uh, entities. Um, and you also had a virtual series where Dr. Virginia Kane, um, Dr. Box, and um, some other people joined virtually, and uh, five to 6,000 views um, on, Facebook um, is pretty big, and I, and I saw that those views going up. I'd like to know, do you plan on doing more of those types of things in the future and, and forming more partnerships? Oh, absolutely. In fact, when we started off, I mean, we're blessed that we know Dr. Virginia Kane. I mean, Virginia is a national treasure, and, you know, being a, an infectious disease doc as well as a health commissioner in Marion County for years and years and years, and also being basically on the national stage, having chaired the American Public Health Association, uh, being on a task force of the National Medical Association. The National Medical Association, by the way, are the black physicians 
in this country to be on their COVID task force. I mean, Jenny's just wired in anywhere and everywhere. So to have her be our expert to talk about the virus, to talk about uh, how it might be uh, addressed, to talk about those public health precautions around washing your hands, uh, you know, doing the social distancing, wearing a mask, uh, was absolutely positively, uh, I don't know, uh, earth shattering, if you will. And then to have her joined by Dr. Lindsay Weaver, who's a medical director for the Indiana State Department of Health, who really is sort of at the command central of how the state's addressing this with respect to vaccine allocations a whole nine yards, provided uh, our audience uh, an enormous amount of focused information so, 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 that, so that we were able to address just knowledge about the, the disease and then knowledge about what, what we would do to uh, protect ourselves while we're addressing the disease. And then, and now in, in later months, uh, to also help us understand uh, vaccine efficacy and, 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 and the need to have it. So we started with that one podcast, but have since done them, uh, and our local partners have done them, by the way, with various groups. So for example, uh, in South Bend, uh, the 100 Black Men put together a four and a half minute video in conjunction with Beacon Health System up there and also some of our lo- other local partners. Uh, we've done a podcast for that relates to the Burmese population. We have coming up for Native Americans. We have one uh, also that's coming up for Latino population. So we have been very intentional. About and those it. were visual, correct? Yeah. Those were uh, on correct. Facebook. Yeah, those yes. Were yeah, yes. And so we've been very intentional about creating content or doing, making sure we do targeted messaging for a population that's, that's at risk where we rely on having someone, a, a physician, for example, who can provide the cl- clinical information, but also having other leaders in the community. It may be a faith leader or whatever. That would be someone who would re- be, re- that they, they could respond to and be respected by the population we're trying to reach. Uh, and, and, and we never really, Troy, knew how many of these we might have. We just started off with the first one, uh, which I think was done in December. And I would guess from December until now, we probably have, have seven or eight of these in the can and with more to come because everyone needs to remember that there has been an evolution of the, how we address the vaccine. I mean, how we address the, the pandemic. In the beginning, we didn't have a vaccine. Now we're, we got to have enough vaccine for everybody. And so now our effort has to shift toward making sure we get those who want the shot, but who have barriers who can't get the shot. And that will probably require us, again, to do some very non-traditional things. Like one thing we might do is, what, what if we decided to go into an area where we know uh, from the shot data that, that, that we've not get enough shots given the population core there, right? So that may, might mean that we go in a week ahead of time and we literally go door to door and identify people who need the shot, oh, sign yeah. them up, and, and then and then when we have the pop-up or else if we have the capacity to go to their house, that's probably what's going to be necessary uh, in, in, in communities that are under-resourced, be they black, white, or otherwise, but especially critical in communities of color that are disproportionately affected by this virus. And so so there's a, so there's so we have a, an incentive, if you will, or really a community obligation to work with the health departments, the hospitals, whomever is necessary to make sure we target and identify those who need the shot and then take the proactive action to do whatever is necessary to make sure they get the shot. And uh, uh, because in a way we are the safety net. I mean, we, 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 well, not that the health department or others could not possibly reach our community members at the speed that we can, but uh, because we, our organizations are grassroots, because they're community rooted, 
uh, we uh, are likely better able to get to the hardest to reach faster. Uh, where time is of the essence with this vaccine and the various that are coming out. Uh, you know, we, we, we just play this critical role uh, that we think in the end uh, will help us achieve again the outcome, which is that uh, black and brown populations and other populations of color experience COVID in the same way as white folks do. That we don't die sooner, we don't get hospitalized more, that we experience the same outcome, the same uh, quality of life in Absolutely. dealing with this pandemic. My final question um, is, is, is one that, um, you know, I'd like for you to, to spend a couple of minutes talking about, and that is uh, the Urban League, uh, Indiana Black Expo, um, the Indiana Minority Health, NAACP. Um, you're working on putting together a, um, a super team of working together. Can you tell me how you plan to implement that in the community? Well, uh, we don't know yet. It's, it's a work in progress, but, but the notion is that these organizations of color that have history of helping to move the pendulum toward greater societal equity, uh, are, I think are committed to continue to work together to better align our efforts. Uh, so for example, on the public policy side, uh, we tend to be in the health lane in Black Expo at Urban League, a little bit more in the, um, the the social well, the social determinants lane or the, the criminal justice lane, or or uh, and, and 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 sometimes maybe more youth focus or senior focus, but 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 in reality, uh, because there's this concept called the social determinants of health, which means that um, there are factors outside of medical clinical conditions that drive health outcomes. And those are things like income inequality. Those relate to housing. Those relate to employment. Those relate to all those things where if you compare blacks to whites or Latinos to whites, there we there's significant disadvantagement on the minority side. And, and so uh, while we are health focused, it's pretty clear that we have to become much more of a social justice organization. Mm -hmm. And we have to therefore work with the Urban League, NLSB and others who have uh, similar agendas to determine what we can do in common. And, and I think more where I think our, my hope is that we'll be able to uh, to jointly uh, work together to better incent our white colleagues out there to really join with us. You know, we yes. should not yes. have to be the entities standing on our heads saying you can't do voter suppression at the same time you say you want equality. You can't claim to be for uh, improved health if you're not uh, prepared to address things like a minimum wage has been the yes. same for all these years. In other, words, in other words, I think collectively it's our job to say to our white colleagues, if you really want greater equity in society, if you really mean what you say about uh, dealing with uh, some of the social trauma that's growing in this society, then you got to put your money where your mouth is. You should be calling for equality. I mean, you should make this part of what you do because it's not what you, well, it's what you say and do that counts. And, and, and so we've got to hold, I think, uh, our counterparts much more accountable, much more accountable to help us achieve greater equity in the, in the society. And because, Troy, absent that, you know, we're going to always be out there, uh, well, not, not literally, but, you know, metaf uh, in metaphorically throwing rocks. And in reality, what we need our hands to join with our hands to promote greater equity in the society, plain Absolutely. and simple. And, and, and so, 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 so our work is the same as it's been as long as there have been black and brown folks in this society who have been victimized. 
in, in, in our work uh, requires us to, as much as we can, uh, coordinate activities. I mean, I'd like nothing better than when a bill is before the legislature to have all the minority organizations, Urban League, IMHC, NLTP, but also maybe some of our Latino brothers and sisters. Yes. I, I can never remember a time when we all showed up to testify on the same bill. I never remember a time when we that did that. That would be incredible if you can get that going. Well, I'm saying, yeah, I think that we now may have a moment where we can actually coordinate our activities so we speak with a sort of a more unified voice across race ethnic lines because in reality, the, the disadvantagements, the disparities, they kick us all. Yes. To, it, there's not a different kind, it's just a different degree. And, and so, so the hope is that we will begin to have much more collaboration on a routine basis among leaders of organizations and that we align the organizations to fight together. Uh, for the future of us all, uh, and so that so what we're trying to do, I think, is is American, <laughs> as anything any other group has done. It's just that we now have got to take the time to see if we can align our organized capacity, so we're jointly sort of uh, hitting the same target at the same time. And I, I think that will encourage our, our white colleagues to really join with us. I believe so. You know, because because most every American wants the best for the society, and they really do. And uh, but but just don't have uh, uh, necessarily a normal pathway to do that. It's not it's not a, not habitual yet. So we've got to make cross sector cooperation, collaboration, cross sector uh, movement toward equity to, to be something that's more common than uncommon. Okay, so as you can see, um, thank you very much, Carl. Um, I appreciate all the information. Um, as you can see. Uh, Mr. Carl Ellison has given you some information as it pertains to uh, the pandemic, what's going on during the pandemic, um, the partnerships that are being developed, and the ways that Indiana Minority Health in particular will stay on the forefront. Um, we believe uh, in being able to pivot as things change and being able to reach and touch the community. Which brings me to a point. We're everywhere you are. Make sure to follow us on Facebook under Indiana Minority Health Coalition. Follow us on LinkedIn under Indiana Minority Health Coalition. We're on YouTube, Indiana Minority Health Coalition. And of course, we are on Anchor FM uh, Podcast Network, along with the Wish TV Channel 8 Network. Uh, this has been Minority Health Matters, brought to you by Indiana Minority Health and our partners, uh, IU Health. Thank you very much, and we'll talk again soon.